Welcome to The End Game, a podcast about the positive aspects of aging with grace, with joy, and with purpose. I'm your host, Don Auction. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get on with today's show. Is the way older adults are treated in the United States true in other cultures? Our guest today, Michelle Maggiora, has firsthand testimony that other cultures treat elders with respect, even reverence. Michelle, an artist, poet, feminist, mystic, lifelong adventurer, and now at 77, an elder, is my guest today, and she has some thoughts about what it means and what it should mean to be blessed with years. Michelle, thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, Don. Good to, good to see you. It's, it's great to see you and as well. And we hear you too. <laughs> Uh, Michelle, you lived for a number of years among indigenous people in Mexico. Can you tell us what that experience was like? Yeah, um, mostly in in Oaxaca, it was Miztec, and and there's like 15 different indigenous groups and more around uh, in Oaxaca. In in Merida, in Yucatan, there's the Maya. And um, and then when I was younger, still living in the United States, I, I did have connection to Navajo, to Tibetan Tibetans, which are not necessarily an indigenous group. But I, I studied a lot of Tibetan Buddhism, but also mm-hmm. lived, you know, in close connection with Tibetans. The main difference, uh, you know, I was thinking about like what how I was going to express this, and uh, the the first thing I want to say is in the word. When you hear the word elder and you're an indigenous people, whatever their language would be for elder, it is a word that in itself holds respect and honor. To be an elder is to be a gray-haired wisdom keeper. And therefore, when, for example, in the Lakota Sioux, the oldest group were the grandmothers. They were the elders. So the final word on major changes within the group, within the community came from the grandmothers, hmm. which of course I love because it was, I'm a feminist. So of course I liked it. The, the women were included, you know, the females were included. Um, the elder is a place of respect. It, it Yes, we slow down. Yes, we get forgetful sometimes. Yes, we don't have the same energy as youth, but we have lived. And what I have told people before many times is, If you're going to be wise, not that all old people are wise, but if you're going to be wise, you must be an elder because you've had to live life. It's not something that is gained out of a book. It's gained in living. And this is the difference between the words, for example, in the United States, the word geriatric. It drives me crazy, that word. I really don't like that word because I get the, I'm very visual. I get the visual picture that it's somebody sitting in the wheelchair, kind of drooling or, you know, walking with their walker with their head down. And I was a member of a gym here in Tucson and mostly gray haired people like me, you know, And everybody was working out and there's a, you know, yes, good exercise and good food is a very important thing as an elder, but it's not enough. It is not enough because most people lose in the United States, especially men, when they are through with their career, when they hit that old age, they are purposeless. They feel they they aren't important. I have people who have told me, People look right through me now. 
that the the sense of importance of the elder is not existent. It, it, it is in certain groups in the United States. It's not like the United States has no uh, respect for the elder, but it's not really an important part of this culture. The youth culture and technology and fast moving and fast career, those are the things that are really um, important values in the United States. And I think that we are missing uh, we're missing some very important values of the beauty of the elder person, the wisdom keeper. Okay, so that's first thing that I think about are the okay. words. And the words, we know that I'm a writer. Words hold tremendous impact and energy. So when you think of the word geriatric versus the elder, the elder, there is a huge difference in the energy between those words. That's the first thing. Okay, the second thing I want to say is I have studied other cultures. Now, this is true. That these cultures that have this harmony and balance in them are small cultures. The people look the same. They have the same spiritual foundation. They have the same history. So that makes a difference in a to a country like the United States that's this huge conglomeration of diversity. So there is a difference, and I see that. I understand that. But for example, in Okinawa, I will use that as my favorite example. The people in Okinawa, many live past 100 years old. And there's various reasons. They have qualities in their culture much different than the United States. First off, they are community oriented, totally community oriented. The old women, the men, they're all together. When you have a sense of community, you have a sense of security and safety. You know if something happens, you have someone immediately to turn to. In the United States, families have separated in order to get a better job and to make more money and you know become the big consumer, the consumerism of America. And America has individualism. And the individualism says, you can pull yourself up by your bootstraps. And if you're poor or old and poor. It's your own fault. You didn't plan properly. You know, it's that Horatio Alger theory of pull yeah. yourself up by your bootstraps. So the one of the, that's what a huge difference. Okay. Second difference is in Okinawa, the generations are together. Babies, children, adolescent, young adults, middle-aged adults, and old people all interact all the time. There's no senior community God forbid that there be any children around this group of 55 and up. And that is another, I think, problem in America is that our generations are separated much more so. And there is a feeling of annoyance that comes from older people about the younger generation. But also in the younger generation, the sense of, oh, I'm going to have to take care of my old mother you know, and that, that older people do feel a burden, that they're going to, they're afraid that they're going to be a burden. And oftentimes they feel that they are a burden. So that's another thing that we in the United States do not have. We don't have the intergenerational connection. That's another thing. A third thing is, and I could talk about this for an hour, which I will not do, the Western culture coming from Europe and then into America was very much uh, more and more disconnected from the earth. This is why when I was young, I was always attracted to, 
I left my religion that I was born with and I went into more of the cultures that had the earth spirits, the sense of the connection, the sacredness of earth really, uh, not religious per se, but a sacred relationship to the earth in the idea that if we don't honor this planet and this earth, we're not gonna be able to survive. So it was a very practical type of, I call it practical spirituality. And in Okinawa, the people grow their food every day. Most of the people, even the elders, are have their hands in the earth, pulling up the vegetables and sharing the vegetables with friends and things. So it connects them to the fact that we walk this planet, we're on this planet. And I think that you know, a lot of results have come in the United States because of the tendency to disconnection. We connect through social media. We buy our food in, a, you know, we're a big country. So we buy our food in a grocery store covered in plastic. We don't really know the origin of the things that we have in our homes and in our kitchen. And I think that that has a, a result. It results in a sense of isolation because without understanding my connectedness to the earth, I can really not understand my connectedness to my fellow humans or to the other animals of nature. And I think that the end product again is seen in the attitudes toward the, the old people. There is a separation, a disconnect there. So I think that that is a, a pretty serious uh, difference. Let me interrupt you here. Okay. That was that was, that was a, a very good sermon or lecture, I should say. <laughs> Uh, you had mentioned to me once before when we talked that uh, one of the highlights of the way that the indigenous people in Mexico showed respect for, for elders was typified by a ceremony that you took part in. Can you talk a little about that? I'd love to. This is probably something I can say is one of the most important things that has ever happened to me, given to me in my uh, time of my old age, but in my entire life, really, it is, it was so amazing. But this happened when I was 71, I think it was, living in Merida in the Yucatan. And I have and continue to have a large community of Mexicanos, uh, both male and female, mostly female, but I have like three or four young Mexicanos, and they are my community. And the reason that that happened was they used to come to the house for music and they always stopped off in the kitchen and had their talk with Michelle because I'm, I am a lecturer. There's no doubt you, you pinned it. Um, and we would talk about, you know, the meaning of life or the things that they were stuck on. Some of them came and spoke to me in, in, a, in a counseling, uh, you know, se session type thing, but I built this community. And when I was 71, uh, my husband at the time and I decided we were going to split up, still good friends, but not be, we weren't going to be married in a couple anymore. So I called my Kundalini yoga teacher, Paola, and I told her this, that Des and I were going to split up. And she said, oh, great. <laughs> she said, oh, great. And I said, oh, really? And she said, yes, great. Because this happens in, in India, for example, 
when people enter what she calls in Spanish, the ultima epoca, it would be the ultimate, your last epic, your final epic of your life. She said that many times people have finished now their connection to their career, to taking care of their children, to building a financial base for their family, whatever. And they let, even though you are still a grandmother, you're still a grandfather, you're still a wife or a husband or whatever, it's not like you end being those things, but your identification is no longer tied to those things. Your identification becomes universal. So you become the, the visionary, you become the abuela. I was the, um, the mujer sabia or the abuela, which is the grandmother. And when you step into that role, you step into your final epic, um, there is such an honor and respect about that place. So this woman, Paola, organized a ceremony at this hotel that's on the north end of the Yucatan Peninsula. It's a Mexican hotel of which I was the artist in residence at that hotel. Ah. In that, I painted murals. I'm an artist, visual artist. I painted murals of the sea all over the hotel on these white walls. I saw these white walls and I said, I have to paint. <laughs> and I did. I painted, I had mermaids and fish and, and you know, things from the sea and shells and painted and everything. So we met at this hotel on a Friday night, 30 women came to this ceremony for me. And the first night we were there, we had a huge women's circle and the women were all in white. And then I was in kind of a dress that looked like a mermaid, kind of a green dress. And we sat in this circle and each woman came to me with a poem or a shell or a uh, drawing, something that they created to say, thank you, Michelle, thank you, Abuela for what role you have had and con will continue hopefully to have in our lives. So this was 30 women, amazing, thank you. Then the next morning, then we had a dinner and then the next morning, um, the women, we had a yoga class in the morning, like a yoga circle. And then all the women disappeared and they said, now you have to stay out here and sit by the ocean and by the, you know, we're right on the water. And they said, we're gonna go into the rooms and we'll be out in a while. So they disappeared for an hour or more. And then all these women came out of these rooms as mermaids. <laughs> they had costumes, but I'll tell you, I'm, I'm a little bit of a you know crazy woman in a certain way, the way I see things, but they were mermaids. They were not dressed as mermaids. They came out as mermaids. So we, they came out beautiful women, beautiful young women. And we, we did a circle on the beach and then they lined up opposite each other, holding hands with their arms outward in the front. Mm -hmm. So there's two lines of these women. And they had me lay back on this little group of women in between them. And they took me into the ocean and they did like a rebirthing. It was like there are different spiritual groups, religions that do that, you know, the rebirth when you're birthed to Christ or whatever. And it's done in water. Well, they did it in water. Then they came out and they put me down on the sand and they began to do a massage on me that is done for women who are about to give birth. 
And they explained to me that I was now in the process of giving birth to my ultima epoca. And I just, even now when I am telling you, I get chills on my arms because it was so sacred and so beautiful. I will say that in my life, I have been a very fortunate human being, but this beauty of moving me into the last epic of my elderhood or moving into my elderhood really has laid a foundation of really joy inside of me because I know that I have purpose. And that was another thing I wanted to, wanted to mention is that one of the things that I think, again, as I mentioned earlier, in the United States, when people finally are old, they often don't feel that they have purpose anymore. You know, their right. purpose was raising their children and getting, be sure their kids get to college or the man maybe, or the woman too, with their careers and, you know, being recognized for their careers and everything. Then all of a sudden they hit 65 or 70 and it's like, what the heck? I'm sitting around here and I'm, I clean the house for my daughter and I try to do a few things, but without a sense of purpose, even if we eat well and exercise, when we are missing the sense of purpose, we are not going to have a good quality in our elderhood. I think that that is one of the most important things. Now, the purpose doesn't come from the church, doesn't come from your parents, doesn't come even from your ancestors, doesn't come from your culture doesn't come from your country. It comes from inside of you, from your own consciousness. So everybody's purpose may be different. Some may be very full and, you know, I'm an, I'm an activist. I'm a super activist still, but it doesn't have to be that you're an activist. It could be that you do something simple, but it feeds your, your heart and your soul is the key, is the purpose feeds you. It's the feeding of the care of the soul. And I don't mean that religiously. I mean more the my beingness. It feeds it. And, and I feel great purpose. And when I speak with older people, especially, another thing I say, this even with young people who are depressed, people that are going through some depression, my feeling is sometimes we have to get out of ourselves. And we have to get out of our, I mean, I know we have problems as humans, we have issues, we have trauma. We have deep things that are bothering us that can carry through from childhood, et cetera. But an important thing of elderhood is to get out of ourselves sometimes. And that means do being a docent in a museum, working with children, maybe reading stories in, in schools, nursery school, uh, you know, like preschools, um, working at the border is what I do. Um, I'm a curator for two art shows about border problems in Nogales and Tubac in, in Arizona. And I'm doing another thing about Mexico City. Uh, you know, like to find something where you're giving back something is very, very important for elderhood. So that's my lecture. <laughs> well, that's impressive. And it is clear to me that you show no signs of slowing down. Uh, you no. seem very energetic and, and full of purpose. Mm -hmm. um, what animates you? Um, well, okay, I'll, I have to go way back to when I was a 
child again with my sister. My sister told me that I was very precocious as a child. And she would even make up answers to my questions because she felt that the role of the older sister was to answer her younger sister. So she'd even make up <laughs> answers to me, you know. But one thing she told me was that I was born under a lucky star. Now, you know, this is a beautiful thing that I have written about more recently is it doesn't matter if it was the truth. I felt it was the truth because my sister told me I believed it. And this is how we we relate to our beliefs. You know, if we take them as truths, of course, they become very powerful for us, sometimes negatively, sometimes positively. In this case, it was very positive. So I think and feel that I, ex it's not like I expected life to be easy, but I expected it to be beautiful. I had that expectation. I had, I've had my share of depression and issues and, you know, anger at politics. And I mean, you know, I've had my share, but I've always held this sense of the lucky star that ultimately I was, I was safe in a very insecure reality of being human. I mean, I think that sometimes we are always looking for a sense of feeling uh, solid and secure, which good old Alan Watts in his great book, The Wisdom of Insecurity, explains that, you know, there really is nothing. It's constantly changing. But you can, you can find the sense of security or groundedness in different ways, even though you may know and realize that life constantly changes in little ways and big ways all the time. But when you're standing on the earth and you're feeling that connection to the earth of which I have really sought in my life, the connection to the earth, it, it has made me feel good. Going back to your question a few minutes ago about like what motivates me or what, you know, what makes me tick. I feel like a lot of it is because I did choose the arts and I am a visual artist. I'm very visual and I'm very visual with words. And that gives me great joy to paint something, which I haven't done in the, lately. I've been doing more writing, but to express you know that and okay here's i'm not gonna i'm jumping around here but one of the things that i found in my travels especially with women as beautiful as indigenous cultures and other cultures are the role of women not so great all over the world and the important thing that we would always say as feminists is women need a voice human beings need a voice people who are workers need a voice it's very important. And I would say that when you feel you have a voice, you feel purpose, you feel creativity, you feel that your, your words or your work or your support actually does contribute something to us as hu to the human race and to other animals too. I mean, I'm definitely an animal advocate, you know, as well. That is what gives me, I think, the energy to, I don't know, to, to be very much alive. Plus, I'm a doer. 
you know, I'm, I'm first day of Aries. I can't help it. I'm a fire. I'm fire. So that my personality that I developed be, is very fiery and very much like I, I don't stick with things a long time. That's the thing I'll say about myself. I'm I'm an initiator. Well, okay, so that makes me happy. I love to initiate. <laughs> and you can initiate until you can't do it anymore. And that's the attitude I have. I will do and create and explore and research and love and tend and nurture until I cannot do it anymore. That's great. You That's know? great. What advice would you offer to older Americans living in a society where elders are largely ignored and marginalized? Hmm. Wow. <laughs> the, the, first, I'll tell you the problem. Okay. In, in how I see it. The problem in America is these, the, the, the deep-seated roots of this culture need question. We need to question some of the deepest roots of this culture. They're based on things that are, that are old and that are deep. And that's not easy. It's not easy to, um, to speak up, to have courage, especially when you feel that you're not valued and that you don't have a voice. That's a hard thing to do. Um, so that's the downside. Um, the upside is, I think, those would be looking at those three things that I mentioned that are present in Okinawa that are not as present and easily present here in the United States is community. Make sure you have community. It doesn't have to be just with older people. It could be a community at your church or in at working for the in the schools. It could be working with um, the animals. I mean, a lot of times when I go to museums, the docents are often old people and they, they really know stuff. They know about the animals or they know about the art and they, they take classes about it and they get very involved and then they have an automatic community because there are other people there. There are the people that come in to look at the museum. So you're talking with people and you're, you're not isolated. That's number one. Do not be isolated. Number two, try to be more open and empathetic about the other generations. When we can be more open and empathetic about the other generations, we can also be more open and empathetic about humanity and the other animals of nature. That's very important. We're, I think that when we feel isolated, we feel afraid, we're very polarized in this country politically and otherwise, um, and we have a lot of fear. Okay. And then the third thing is the connection to the earth. If you live in a city, work with some other people, some young people and build a garden in an empty lot. I, I was born in Oakland, California. And when I go back there to visit some of my friends, it's amazing in some of the areas of Oakland, they have the empty lots are now full of flowers and vegetables and food and flowers, beautiful. So if you can't get out to the country, then bring the country into your living area. Michelle, thank you for sharing your stories from your adventures. And you've given us some really eye-opening comparisons to think about. And we're very grateful to you for taking time to talk today.
Yeah, my pleasure. And you can keep up with Michelle's continuing adventures uh, on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for listening to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our free weekly newsletter, The Endgame, at theendgame.substack.com. I'm Don Auction, wishing you all the best in aging with grace, with joy, and with purpose. I hope you'll join us for future programs here at The Endgame.